everybody sells something. Whether you are in promotions, customer service, or sales, without a plan, you are looking at a near zero chance at success. Welcome to Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO with host Bill Bush. If you are looking to gain or retain your clients, this is one hour you and your business can't afford to miss. Now, here is your host, Phil Bush. Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. I'm Phil Bush, and thank you so much for joining us on Sales Execution Optimization. I call it the new SEO. And today we have a very interesting topic to talk about. And in introducing the topic of personal sales value, I have to give credit to my wonderful guest today, a very longtime friend, Brett Boston. And Brett's a consultant's consultant. Much of his work is in with other consulting firms where he often assists in executive level negotiations and sales. He has deep experience in the C-suite and a global client base. He sells consulting services and software. He's worked with and sold to corporate, government, nonprofits in 37 countries, and he has a 10-figure deal that he's assisted with. Brett's also the founder of a great consulting firm, Group Solutions, based in Atlanta, Georgia, nationally awarded and recognized, and developed several software companies and is currently launching a new startup venture. He's also been on numerous board and foundations and most recently served as the executive director of the Wildlife Foundation of Florida. Brett, welcome to the show and thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, great day to be with you, Phil. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, you couldn't ask a better day. Today in the USA, I know we have some international listeners, we celebrate the life of the late, great Martin Luther King. It seems only fitting to ask about personal values, and in my context, as it relates to sales. So I ask all the sales resources that are listening out there, whether you be a manager, a sales engineer, a a salesperson, about your own personal values. And Brett, To start this out, let's talk a little bit. Why are personal sales values so important for every seller to have? Well, I think the values um, come down to one thing, Phil, and that's trust in the marketplace. You know, no one's going to buy anything from anyone or company that they don't trust. It doesn't matter how good your product is. If your company's not projecting trust and good values into the marketplace, if your product um, is untrustworthy or develops a bad reputation. And then Mm -hmm. if your sales team of any level is not projecting real belief in the product and in the things that are stated in the sales literature, you know, how how can the client believe that? And so I think projecting a true set of beliefs and values is just a fundamental thing. Um, Great sales teams have that. They've got a passion about their product and uh, weaker sales teams don't. They, they, They don't believe in their product and it makes it tougher to sell. Right. Well, you know, Brett, you know, we go, we go back a long ways and I've seen you project this val the value system you talk about here many times. But, you know, you've seen both good and bad sellers in a variety uh, of different contexts. So when you look at sellers in the, in the many con- contexts that you've seen them in the many countries you've worked in, what are some of the most important values that you've seen in both good and in bad sellers? Well, you know, value-based selling, I think a lot of people talk about it, Phil, and, yeah. and it really has two sides. Um, it has to do with the value of your product to the marketplace, and I think that's the easy side. 
people mm-hmm. people know that generally are sharp yeah. on their product and what it does and does do. I mean, that's that's just basically blocking and tackling on anything right. you're selling. But I think the understanding the value system that you have as a seller, the belief system you have both in your product and in what is right to do as a seller. You know, we talk about it being Martin Luther King Day. And, you know, yeah. you think about that great quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And I think, yes. you know, at a, at a more, you know, I don't mean to be overly philosophical, but at, kind of at a more practical level, it basically says you, your belief system, your values, the way you and your organization treats a buyer or a long-term customer has a great impact on, on whether you're going to get repeat business whether you're going to have a good reputation in the marketplace, uh, and whether you're going to get that really, I think, all-important word-of-mouth business. And yeah. if you are projecting a value um, that are positive, um, ethical may be too strong a word, but there's a passion and a belief in your product and what it can do, and a true passion and belief, um, then I think that your your life as a seller gets easier. And so the biggest the biggest day-to-day simplest failure that I see overall in sellers uh, or in sales organizations is this insincerity. And it's yes. it's not an insincerity that it's disbelief or that you're telling an untruth. It's that you truly don't believe deep down that your product does what it needs to do to solve the problem that's been identified by this client or potential buyer. And yeah. so, in essence, if you're not sincere, uh, if you're not really, really uh, strong in your beliefs about the value of your product, your service, and how it will, in fact, help this client out, then at the end of the day, the client is going to know that. Uh, there, there are some naive buyers out there, but overall, if you're dealing with an experienced buyer, um, they're going to read pretty quickly through whether this is just can talk or whether you actually are matching your product, uh, what it can do against their, against their needs. And so that's yeah. a sincerity issue. Uh, I think it's yeah. a big, I think it's the number one and very simple failure in what place where you don't really think about it, but it's the seller's belief, the person in the room, that sales professional, their deep mm-hmm. down seated belief that comes through loud and clear, whether you like it or not. Yeah, Brett, I think you're absolutely right, Brett. And you bring up an interesting point as well which is this notion of the buyer. And one of the things we've talked about on sales execution optimization is we live in a day and age where the buyer, because of the vast amount of information that is out there, is better educated than ever. So if you come across, as you say here, I think it's a great word, insincere, the the odds of the buyer understanding that pretty rapidly are pretty much in the buyer's court. They're going to figure out pretty rapidly that you are insincere, and they're going to put they're going to hold it against you, and it may end up costing you not only the sale but the next opportunity. Uh, so, I agree. I think I think that you know uh, we don't really ever distill things down to uh, you know I guess the, the the word that might encapsulate it, Phil, is distilling it down to yeah. reputation. It's mm-hmm. reputation. And reputation is. Is, is built on a lot of intangibles. I mean, I would say that the vast majority of products, if you're out in the marketplace and your product is just not working, that's one thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, that, that's going to take care of itself. But if your product's working, every product's got its flaws. Every installation's going to be tough. Uh, every large, 
every large product sale, complex product sale, there's going to be ups and downs. The key is you get through that with a client by having a real shared set of beliefs. Um, one, your client believes you're competent and care about what they're doing and you're, that you're doing the best you can, darn it, you know, and, and, and they yeah. can understand if you don't get, you know, things are going to go up and down. Um, but if they don't have that belief in you uh, and they don't have that uh, uh, real sense that, you know, at the end of the day, you guys did everything you could to sell in properly and treated them fairly, honestly, along the way, then um, that starts to hurt your reputation in the marketplace. I, you know, so CIOs probably are the meetingest people I know. Um, they have forums all yes. over the country, you know, so in the software world, they meet regularly. Um, in every yeah, industry, there are industry groups, they meet regularly. And so to your point, um, the marketplace is going to know about you and your reputation, like it or not. And so yes. <laughs> better manage that. You know, it's really brand yeah. management, but it comes down to almost the personal level of brand management. Your brand well, is a seller. And that was exactly a topic we talked about earlier on the show. So that's huge optimization, Brett, was the notion of say you've got to have a brand as a seller. And to tie, tie into your point exactly, you better manage that, rep, that brand, that seller brand, that personal brand pretty well. Because you're right, Brett. Word's going to travel, and we all know that bad news travels a whole lot faster than good news does. Yes, it does. That's just well, the nature of the beast. What, what sales professional doesn't want to move uh, if they change jobs, um, if they're really good and, and they've got a great reputation when they go back to their ex- former client base uh, and they knock on the door, um, that reputation either easily opens the doors and easily gets you in for an, at least a, a hearing and a discussion about your new product and service. Um, and if you have not been and you've built a, a low value, um, low belief brand uh, over time through your actions in the sales process, um, or unfortunately, yeah. if you happen to work for an organization um, that, that projects uh, less than a positive value and belief system, um, you know, then it's much yes. t- tougher to walk in there. But I think that you can see is, you know, it's a simple thing to ask any salesperson to you know, kind of look in the mirror and go, when I changed uh, companies, when I changed organizations, or I changed product delivery within an organization, when I called on old clients, was it a easy to get an appointment or not? <laughs> right. That, you know, I read it really. I think that's a pretty easy litmus test. Pretty simple. I agree 100%, Brett. And I think to that end, talk a little bit about, again, let's say we've got sellers and whatever age you are, sellers out there, young, old, whatever role in the sales process you're in, how does one start or restart establishing personal sales value? Because let's let's give people the benefit of the doubt. And, and I do believe that most people want to do the right thing by and large. I really do believe that. I've Me been accused too. of being not a naive, but I do believe that. And that includes sellers. But what kind of advice do you give a seller? Who, who's trying to say, hey, I, I may not have focused on this previously, but I know it's important. What do you give them? What do you tell them? Okay, well, it's, it's actually, it's the same amount of research you should be doing on your company and your reputation in the marketplace as you do on, I hope, those key 
uh, accounts that you hope to get business from. You know, right. I'm a big believer in I'm a big believer in market intelligence and research. Um, the buyers are certainly going to be researching and doing market in, intel on you. Um, hopefully, you're doing that on them. Um, but the flip side is, are you doing that on yourself and your company? You know, right? What is the marketplace um, saying about your company? And so, you know, the, the, if you go at the highest level, does your company have and does it project a stated set of values, positive values to the marketplace? You know, what are they? Um, do you know those values? Yes. Are you currently projecting those values in your sales delivery? And if not, why not? I mean, and then finally, yeah. you know, are these real values that your organization have or are they just, you know, they're nice statements out there? I mean, what are the deep seated values that your particularly your sales organization, but also the implementation side of that have to do? And what are they? And I think that's a great place to at least start understanding values. Um, yes. But that's at the high level. You know, then I think I really think that from a. um specific how would you as a person um mm -hmm. go about really understanding what what your values are really believe that it starts with your beliefs about your product and it's it's rare that you have a product that is perfect and you think is going to set the world on fire i mean that is the you know that yes. would be the sweet spot of every salesperson i got uh, this of amazing course. print through product it yeah. outperforms the competition and every segment, and by the way, it's less expensive. Now, that would be great, but none of us sure. get dealt that hand, or very rarely, right? Very rarely. So, right. So, so you have to really assess, what do you really believe about your product? Not what's in the literature, not what, you know, you got at the latest sales pep talk, uh, but what do you fundamentally believe your product does absolutely fantastically? And then once you understand that, I believe you can... You can begin to understand where you're more likely to have a high-value sale to a client. Um, yeah. You know, the, the rub, as we'll talk about a little bit, is, I hope, is what happens when, when my values about my product or beliefs about it don't align. And then you got a little bit of a conundrum there. But for me, it's about, first of all, what do you believe about your product? Second mm -hmm. piece, then, is, you know, how do you really believe the selling process should go. What are the values you take to that? What are your beliefs on how you should behave toward the buyer? What do you believe you deserve from a buying organization? This is a this is a two way discussion. So yes. how do you? What are those? So people should have, I believe, and I do actually, a summarized view of bullets about how that process should go. Okay, mm -hmm. and and it's not going to always go that way, but at least you should say. If I had a great set of beliefs about what sales process should be, it should be these things. So now here's what I believe about my product. Here's what I believe about how the sales process should go. And then really the third thing, and I think the toughest is really determining what your personal beliefs are with regard to sales. This is hard. You know, a lot of times we do assessment of my beliefs, et cetera. And, you know, sometimes we do those um, – most when the sale hasn't gone through and we're doing kind of a post-sales assessment going, what happened? You know, we also need to do those when the sale goes really well. Why did it yes. go really well? I think we right. leave that step out far too much. But at the end we of do. the day, what do you believe? What do you believe is um, the buyer and the seller um, should experience in a sales process? And what are, what, are, what are those values and beliefs about 
how it should go. I, I have those. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's interesting, Phil, because the value of those tells me pretty early on in the process when I'm being set up. When yes. there is no chance for, for success here because at the end of the day, what I believe about my products and services, uh, what I believe should be a fair selling process for, for all parties, including me, and what I believe about um, the, the ultimate value of what my products and services deliver, if those things are violated on the front end or clearly can't be met by the buyer, um, this is not going to be a successful sales process. It's going to be right. another reason. You know, it's going to be another train wreck that you go, golly, why didn't I see that coming? So let's talk about, let me summarize what we just talked about as a great way to open our show here is, you know, you laid out some really important notions of why these personal sales values are important. And I know we're going to talk about that more. What are the most important values you've seen in both good and bad sellers? And you focused on insincerity. And I think that certainly is absolutely the key. And then I thought very importantly, you talked about, hey, You've got to personally decide for yourself what's important to you as it relates to what you're doing, your company, et cetera. We come back, Brad, we're going to talk a little bit more about how this can be applied in a real world situation. And I think this is going to be a fascinating conversation because personal sales values are more important in this day and age of selling than they've ever been. We'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Maverin Sales and Marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process, sales coaching, sales planning, territory development, partner execution, and related topics. The organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Maverin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverin by email at psbmaverin at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO. To reach Phil Bush or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net. Now, back to sales execution optimization. Well, welcome back to our audience. In that first segment, we talked a lot about establishing personal sales values from our guest, Brett Boston. And you know, you can reach us, folks, 866-472-5790. Brett, how can folks reach you if they want to reach out to you and ask some questions? Oh, that'd be great, Phil. Um, my webpage is groupsolutions.us. Um, there you and go. I'm Brett Boston at groupsolutions.us. So love, love, love to take some questions there uh, anytime. Yeah. Well, because I know, I know, Brett, even though you are a world-class facilitator who has run meetings for people like former President Carter at the Carter Center in conjunction 
with the Atlanta Project and the Carter Center, the International Olympic Committee, Deloitte and Touche, Coca-Cola, the U.S. Air Force Intelligence Group, a lot of people. You you have been in sales for most of your career, so this this topic is so fascinating hearing you talk about it. Because even though I know you as a good friend and a phenomenal facilitator, you're also a you because of the nature of your job, you've got to be a skilled salesperson as well. So that's why this is such an interesting topic for me. Let's talk a little bit about you know establishing those values, what they might be, and you know because you talked a lot in that first segment about what those values are, what they should be, looking at the company you're working with and what their values are. Let's talk about a little bit now what I like to call the nuts and bolts of sales execution optimization as it relates to personal sales values. What's the best way for a seller to take a step back to establish what they should be doing? Well, you know, I think it, it, you, you take that step back by looking at your job and your job satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the real start, Phil. And it yeah. really says if, if I'm really satisfied being a seller and selling at this level – if I'm really satisfied with, with my job and, and, and my career as a seller, which, you know, I think that's a, that's a passion and a, and a life yeah. commitment. I mean, sales professionals are, you know, we're a special breed. I mean, we're yeah. very numbers oriented. We're very goal directed. Uh, overall, we're pretty darn competitive. And of late, thank goodness, most of us have learned how to work well in teams. So, you know, <laughs> those, those, those are some skills that I see. But if you wanted to step back, and just take a view at what's going really well in your job and what's not. And I think it comes down to having more values, if you will, having more goalposts and measures than just the dollar amount. And I'll give yeah. you an example. You know, I think sometimes for me, it's really nice. Obviously, big deals are really great. Um, they, they, they fund a lot of college funds and uh, other things. But what's also really great is, solving problems for clients. Big value right. of mine. The more complex the problem, the more excited I get about it. I'm not, you know, the Sherlock Holmes of strategy, but, you know, it's that <laughs> very, <laughs> it's that really exciting uh, uh, for me is to take a problem that's incredibly complex and help a client solve it. Now, I can get satisfaction out of doing that if it's a, just a really, you know, two-day project or if it's a six-month project. I, I get excited about both levels of those. And so it's not just looking at that dollar amount that's coming in. That's nice. That's what I get paid for doing is solving problems, creating solutions for clients like all salespeople. The real right. difference is if I have a two-day client, it's really easy for me to get really flat if all I were focused on would be the dollar amount, right? And yes. so having that sense of true excitement and, and really I think a word that I believe is certainly part of my sales belief is just to be passionate about solving problems. I mean, clients sense if you're passionate about solving their problems, they get that. They yeah. absolutely get that. And so if you were looking for the, you know, the brass ring to grab on uh, a set of motivating values as a sailor, seller, as a, why am I flat in my job? Well, if it's just about what did I do this quarter, every quarter, you know, that's running the marathon in, hundred yard dashes, you know, you're going to get real tired. It's seeing a broader sense of satisfaction. And while I think being successful in your sales efforts, you know, bringing in those sales, racking up the board, got it. That's a good thing. But there's got to be, I think, 
for those of us that have stayed around for a while, it's got to go beyond that. There's got to be satisfaction in what I'm doing as a seller and yeah. how my products and services are solving a broader piece. So I think some of it, Phil, really does come back to your values and beliefs about the job of selling. Yeah. I think that's great, Brett. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, you've used some words, and I think this is good, kind of repetitively, intentionally, I know, to, to, to our audience, which I think is really important. But, you know, the notion of passion, I think, is overlooked in sales way too much. You can, you can, you made the comment earlier, hey, if you happen to be selling the latest, greatest mousetrap, well, well, that's nice, but that doesn't happen very often. So since it doesn't, you better be passionate about what you're selling and to that end, the problem you're solving. Because if you're not, people will know. So tell me in your own experience here, because this is really interesting. What are some of the key words that kind of trigger the behavior that you feel like a great seller really should project? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I mean, the simple answer, Phil, is I regularly, from the moment I contact the client d- during the entire sales process, and then afterwards, if I happen to be involved with implementation or ongoing. Um, selling, selling within that client. I use the same words over and over. And those are the trigger words that are really my values. And so for mm. me, transparency to me is one yeah. of my values. I mean, transparency in the sales process, transparency in communicating to the client what I believe, what our product does well, what our product doesn't necessarily do the best at, and how we still can solve that problem and just keeping the dialogue, the communication, the honesty, and I've just summed that up for me as transparency. And so I yeah. trigger for myself and for my client that I have an expectation that this selling event is going to be transparent between us. That's my value that comes in at a, this is how I would like to see this sales process handled. I'll tell you everything. I want you to tell me everything. That way we can solve this problem together instead of me guessing. So that's important. Me being transparent about the stuff that, that, that I can actually make a difference with and whether I think that aligns with the problem or not. Sometimes it doesn't, Phil, and nothing worse than trying to force fit my, my solution oh. on a, a problem that's, you know, that's not going to work. I mean, that's really so right. being transparent about that saves me and the buyer a whole lot of pain. So, but what I do is I use the word transparency in my communications with the client. It's in my slide deck. It's in my presentation mm-hmm. of proposal. The word transparency then, I keep reminding the client that this is a transparent process. So the trigger words right. for me are exactly that. They're my beliefs and my values that I want to consistently share with the client and I want them to know and hold me accountable to, but I'm also letting them know this is what I expect from them as well. And I think using exactly what you said, those triggering words they're important. So define those words. They're the words about your beliefs, your beliefs about your product, your beliefs about the sales process. And again, your beliefs about how you want to be treated in the selling process. So use those words to remind you and the client at all times where we are. Right. And, and I, see, I see a lot of sellers, especially inexperienced sellers, get overly focused on a couple of things. 
how good or, or great their product or service is, how much money they can make from selling their product or service. And of course, I don't want to try and act like finances are not important. If you're in <laughs> sales, I understand. Yeah. However, as you made the comment earlier, if that's where it begins and ends for you, well, I think you're going to find yourself in some trouble at some point in time. I really well, do. You, well, I think, well, what will happen, I think, is, and, and I've, I've seen this, we've both seen this in really great salespeople that mm. we know, the, the folks with longevity have belief systems that go beyond that quarterly check, that you know, it, it's got right. to go beyond that. And it has to be that you really like what you're doing because selling is hard work, man. And, uh, you know, we're, yeah. we're carrying the vast majority of the revenues of the organization right on the professional sales right. force, generally underappreciated, uh, <laughs> under yeah. motivated, oh, yeah. undermanaged, undertrained, all of us. And yet somehow or other, we continue to feed a whole lot of people back at the ranch. And so yeah. it's got to be something more than that. I think it's got to be about other things if you're going to be a good and long-term committed seller and be effective at it. So the professional sellers I see, Phil, are, are, are right on. Um, they, they, right. They've had to find more passion about product and being in the marketplace. So, you know, look, you and I have done this for a long time. And I'll just say, for me, that com- I've managed to find a way to take my competitive edge and turn it from necessarily – you know, competitive only about numbers, but competitive about better positioning my product in the marketplace, competitive about making sure that my product or service gets the full credit it deserves in the eyes of the client. That's a passion too. It's, yeah, it is. we don't do that as well as somebody else, but by goodness, we do this other things a whole lot better and we're a far better value for these reasons. That's passion too. Right. It is passion. So on that end, you talked about a lot of the good qualities that you, you've seen, but I have to ask the counter, which is if you're talking to a seller, whether they be inexperienced or long in the game or whatever, I see a lot of sellers transitioning to the new era of selling, which is based on internet being king. We used to be as sellers kind of, we were the keepers of the intellectual property, not anymore. Now the internet has got the intellectual property out there and most buyers, and this is a stat from the Gartner group, before they will talk to a potential buyer, they have gathered 70 plus percent of the information already before they've ever talked to the seller. So given that, what are some of the things you would tell sellers to avoid in this situation? Yeah, you know, I I think that it's, it's for me, um, I generally don't go in and talk anymore um, about our product and service. I assume that um, in the response uh, or in the invitation to bid or uh, in the appointment setting that the, that the buyer has done exactly what you've said. They've looked at us. Um, they've probably checked yeah. their references. They've talked to somebody else in the sector about whether we do or don't deliver against the goods and services. Right. So the fact that we're in the room means, by and large, we have an opportunity now to prove it. And right. so the worst thing I can do is walk in the room and tell them how wonderful I am. How foolish. Yes. I mean, you know, Can't I've already it. made it through. I've already made it through this filter. Got that this has far. Cut out probably, you know, 80% of the competition. I now have an opportunity to look smart, be smart, 
and help the client understand that we're different. And so this is that great opportunity to shut up, listen, and figure out what the client has. Help him understand or her that we're listening to the complexity of their problem. Look, they're, they're not buying anything from us. If they didn't have a problem, if they could solve this problem, by goodness, they would already solve yeah. it. They're, they would have solved it by themselves. In here. And they certainly could have read all the literature about how great our product was. So we're not here to tell them that our product will solve their problem. They already suspect that. So the worst thing we can yeah. do is talk about our product or how wonderful we are. Okay? We've right. already established that or we wouldn't be sitting here. So for mm-hmm. me, that what a waste of what's probably going to be the most important 30 minutes or hour of your contact with this client is to not just listen, ask phenomenally good questions and better understand and reflect on understanding the complexity of the problem they face, the depth of the problem and your willingness to really dive in with them and make it your problem too. And I'll tell you, that's for me is a really interesting value proposition to any customer is your willingness to right. just listen. So Phil, how often do you see ah. and coach people that want to walk in yeah. and they want to pitch their product and, or they oh, yeah. want to tell the customer how great they are. And the customer already, you ought to walk in assuming you wouldn't be here. They've already done their research. If they don't think there's a match, you wouldn't get in the door in the first place. So don't waste your time in the first on that place. stuff. Right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You got right. one hour. Why would you why would you do your sales pitch? Yep. Now a little treat for our listeners. There the, the this radio show, Sales Execution Optimization, exists and was preceded by two events that Brad had an awful lot to do with. The first is the blog, Daily Sales Thoughts, which is on my website, maverin.com, and the book, Sales Thoughts, which Brett uh, helped me author. But one of the things I talk about in both those is something that Brett just hit on. He talked about asking good questions, and he used the term listening. And I take it one step further. You've got to be skilled in strategic listening. You've got to know how to listen. And you don't just listen to hear. You listen to understand. And I know that sounds kind of almost silly, But it's amazing how many, you know, we don't always listen to understand. We listen just so we can check the box that, oh, yeah, we heard you, right? And I think that's (laughs) That's a critical aspect of this. You know, and Brett, you point out a great, great point. Yeah. Well, I'm with you, Phil. You know, I think that the the, so then it comes down to values. And so the value is, one, if you truly believe your product is good and you truly believe your organization can execute against the promise that you're about to make. And if you truly believe that, um, you know, that, that, that there's something here beyond just a mere exchange of they give you money, you give them a product or service. Um, and I think that is today, it's a much more sophisticated exchange. Um, then it comes down to, it really does come down to better understanding and listening to the client. Uh, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, They've done their homework. You're in this room having this meeting because they already know what your product does. They might know as well right. as you do. <laughs> so yes. sitting there, you know, why waste that conversation? Why not assume the close, which I always do, assume that yeah. what they want is help solving their problem. 
and that if your first engagement with them, you value that helping them solve this problem. And that's why I say it's one of my big values. But if you, if they see right away, you're passionate about helping them solve their problem. If that's a belief that you have, that you like to solve problems and the client gets that right out of the chute, you're already way down the road to implementing your solutions by the time you leave that meeting. You may have even changed the game. They thought they were buying product X, but what they really needed is Y and Z, only one of which you may have, but at least you help them. And that is... That is ultimately what changes your reputation, what changes this, you know, the belief about you as a seller and the belief about your, your company, your products. Right. So let's summarize. We just talked about in this segment, Brett, because I think we, again, we cover so much ground here. But, you know, talking about, you talked, did a great job of talking about how a seller has to take a step back to understand what they should be doing you identified some of the key words that kind of trigger that good and in some cases the, the not so good behavior. And then you also did a great job of talking about, you know, what things not to do. Now, in our ne- next segment, we're going to talk about kind of some walkaways for our listeners. And we, we encourage you to take notes, especially on this section, folks, because you're going to want to hear what Brett has to say about how you can walk away and be a better seller with better values right here on Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Maverin Sales and Marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process, sales coaching, sales planning, territory development, partner execution, and related topics. The organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Maverin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverin by email at psbmaverin at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. is sales execution optimization the new seo to reach phil bush or his guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net now back to sales execution optimization and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Feel free. I get a lot of emails after the show's over talking about some of these topics, and so I always encourage you to do that. Dial in if you'd like to, 866-472-5790. And Brett, once again, tell them how to get a hold of you. Yes, it's uh, Brett Boston at groupsolutions.us. My website's groupsolutions.us, and absolutely yeah, love to... Sure. Love to respond to anybody with any questions. Yeah. And, and I always call this segment our walk away. And basically, we, we want to give folks some ideas that they can really 
take away from this show and uh, apply if they were starting out tomorrow or this morning, wherever they are in the world? We've had listeners from all over the world on sales execution optimization, so we're very happy about that. So if it's morning where you are, we want you to take away some things. So the first thing I want to talk about, in the notion of the personal sales values, Brett, there's three things that I always focus on, and I wanted you to talk about them a little bit. In every sales situation that you're in, you've got to look at three things. Relationship management, having that relationship with your customer, customer success, the customer needs to be successful using your product or service and roadmap to revenue or further revenue. If you're, you're not there to educate, selling is not a profession, not professional education. There is education done, but at the end of the day, you're there to sell. So, Brett, how do you, how do you help keep those three things in mind for a seller and how can they take these ideas you've laid out so brilliantly for us here and, and, Take them forward. Well, okay. So on relationship, Phil, we'll just take them in order. I think this is the hard part. Um, If you don't have your value set really nailed down for what you believe and what what the outcome should be for your client, you thoroughly understand and believe that, it makes it tougher. Um, I think you can have some non-relationship selling. Um, It happens in a lot of situations. But long-term, if you've got a complex sale, or you're hoping for repeat business or word of mouth business, building strong relationships with clients. And they're just, they don't have to be personal relationships. They've got to be relationships though built on professional integrity and trust. And so I think it's worthwhile at least to think about, map out a couple of bullets about what you believe around the kinds of relationships you should have, certainly with your major clients or complex sales um, and those clients you hope to penetrate and keep and sustain business with. So to me, that's number one. And I think that's part of where you're also managing your personal brand. It's in mm-hmm. how you believe you should build relationships and how you believe you should sustain them. Sustain them. Relationships aren't one-sided. They're two-sided. So it's belief in how you should treat your customer or buyer. And equally as important how you should be treated in that process as well. And don't ever, ever allow yourself to be poorly treated in a sales environment. That's not fair, nor should you engage in that kind of stuff. But that's for another topic. Um, yeah. In terms of revenue, Phil, I think this is the easiest discussion to have. And to me, uh, it's pretty clear cut. I mean, we generally can always calculate exactly how many dollars we're getting out of any particular sale. Mm-hmm. And so if my values are to maximize my revenue, um, the, the, the sale that's going to maximize my revenue at some point in time, that'll bite me because yes. what's going to happen is I'll be so focused on maximizing my revenue by pushing the wrong product, wrong service set to a customer base that will catch up. It'll catch up in the form of returns. It'll catch up in the reforms of complaints. It'll re- catch up in the reforms of contract cancellations. It'll, re- it'll catch up it in the forms of service calls. And yes. all of that stuff will mean that ultimately I will pay a price for being overly revenue focused. So I right. think it's incredibly important. But as I've said, there are balancing reasons for selling. And part of my selling values and beliefs have to be about what other things beside revenue give me gratification and, and, and help me show up and deliver every day. So I think right. there's a balance that we need in the revenue side. So And ultimately, 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Phil. No, we're going to come back to that revenue side question because I'm going to I want to expand on that just a touch. However, yeah. when you see a great seller executing with this philosophy appropriately, what do you what what, what do you see? Because I I know you've been doing this long enough, Brett, where you go, yeah, that's a pro I'm looking at right now. What are you seeing? Yeah, well, I think what you see is a real comfort with what they're there to do. Um, yeah. And, and so they have a confidence. They have enough confidence to not sell. And that right. to me is what. Ah, think, very interesting. You know, if, you, if you really, really are a sales pro, at some point in time, you understand that the best thing you can do in so many situations is not get this business. And I will tell you, there are times where I've sat after long discussions and negotiations and said, thank goodness we didn't get this business. And yeah. so, you know, it, it, because if we had gotten this business, oh, it boy. would have been so wrong. We would have been miserable. The client would have been miserable. And I think right. understanding early on and that and being confident enough to realize that sometimes saying no or helping the client find a solution that doesn't involve your company. Um, Though the, again, you know, I want to go back to that quote: "The arc of the universe is moral arc of the universe is long. It tends toward justice and it tends toward fairness." And so, it, does. it, it, it may not be tomorrow. You're never mm. going to know where that great recommendation come from. But your right. organization will get a call that says, "Hey, I heard from," the, and you go, "Oh my gosh, we didn't even sell anything to them, but they're yeah. recommending us." And I think that to me is ultimately what sales pros know is. Sometimes you can't be so concerned about this sale because it, it, it just that that belief that I've got to close this, that 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 behavior that you have around. I must make every sale that comes off as tension. That's all of those things that your client is perceiving about your values and your beliefs. Right. And it oh, yeah. really, you know, and if you're trying to sell someone, you shouldn't be selling. Boy, is that hard. And we've all done it, Phil. I mean, we've yeah. all done it. We've all we sat have. there and realized, you know, I'm just going to close this and maybe it'll work out. And it never does. It never no. does. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly agree with you, Brett, because, you know, we, we've all been put in those situations where we've been given a lot of pressure, you know, to get this thing done. And invariably, when and I what I refer to that as, Brad, and you've heard me use this term before, it's called unnatural acts. When we <laughs> do unnatural acts in selling, I, I can't ever think of a time where it didn't come back to bite. And I have told sellers, if you're making the customer go through unnatural acts to get your deal done, do you really think it's going to work out in the long run? And invariably, and you just said it so well, Brett, it doesn't work. It just doesn't. It so, rarely works. Yeah, well, so and that's, on that note. That's a hard thing. Well, I was going to say, is. that's a hard thing sometimes for yeah. young sellers or yeah. you know, to, to really get their head around is that sometime not getting the deal is the absolute best thing that can happen for you, the customer, and, and your corporation. And that's oh, yeah. hard to believe, but it's true. And it's how you go about walking away from business or helping the client come up with a solution that's not yours. That's really how you leave that is a good thing. Yeah. Well, on that note, Brett, one more comment. And I, I, I almost hate to bring it up because we're near the end of what's been a fantastic, fascinating hour. But 
you know, we are talking about sales execution optimization here, and money is a factor. I can't get rid of it, and you know, nope. sometimes we all just have to talk about it because it's part of it. So, what what does what role maybe should or does money play? Maybe I should say properly in this situation. Yeah, I think I think it's a very important piece, and so I think. First of all, a value or belief that you have to have, I think, um, to be effective is you got to believe that it's important, it's out front, and everybody can talk about it. That's the adult part. That's the easy yeah. part. I think it really is. And so if we have to be successful in our sales, we've got to bring money in. That's why we're, that's why we're paid to do what we do, right? Is right. close things, bring dollars in. You know, turn yes. the lights on for us and a lot of people in our organizations. Good. Right. Um, so... Let's say I'm in a sale, Phil, and this is what it gets down to. What do I do if I'm in a sale and I realize that my beliefs are being mismatched? I really can't help the client, but I need I need this deal, you know. Yeah. And that and that's the real thing. So the real role of money, I think there is a jujitsu that can happen here, to where you can solve a part of the problem, and then you can reach out for up. Uh, Partners, hopefully you've got other business partners that can help you solve other parts of the problem. So where we've got to meet our numbers, where it's bottom line, we've got to close this. Use some jujitsu there. Take the problem-solving approach. Move it beyond just your product or service set. Reach to your other business partners and say, guys, uh, I'm going to take 40% versus, versus 100%. And let's deliver this and start meeting some of your goals for this client. So you have to broaden maybe your thinking about how to close this deal. But, you know, it's really, to me, Phil, it really is about the money. And it's about hanging on to those deals that I can figure out how to creatively solve the problem and still hang on to at least some of the revenue stream. And I think that's a fallback position, right? I mean, you've got to have that. I mean. Yeah. And, and the value here, Phil, is, again, it's a belief. I believe my product is worth this amount of money. I believe that. I'm not going to be running around discounting everything. I'm not going to be running around telling, you know, trying to put everything on sale. I think that's a trap. If you genuinely believe in the value of your products and service, then you will, with pride, uh, stand and deliver against that. And I think you'll be able to better project to the client why what you're asking is in fact a value and a fair price for what you're delivering. Right. Great point, Brett. And let's just summarize what we've talked about. Because again, in these shows, sales execution optimization, I call it the new SEO. We cover so much ground. And, you know, I, I hopefully those of you who are listening live, you'll go back and listen again. Because in the day in the USA, when we celebrate the life of the late, great Martin Luther King, it seemed only fitting that Brett and I talked today about personal sales values. And I can't take credit. This was Brett's idea. And uh, Brett, thank you so much. Great idea. And, and I, But I wanted to summarize for our audience. You know, we talked about up front why these are important, these personal sales values. And I, I thought you summarized it up very well. You know, you've, you talked a lot during the course of the dialogue about what good and bad sellers sometimes look like which I find fascinating because I hadn't thought about it in those terms till you mentioned it. And then, you know, you talked about how a seller, whether you be an experienced seller or a brand new seller, 
You can establish these values, and I would tell you, any, especially the young sellers out there, establish them early. You're, you're going to be a lot happier with your career if you establish those values early about what you do. We, we also talked a lot about the nature of you know, ha- making sure you don't – you take a step back. And you look at what your company is projecting and how it ties into how you can project yourself. You know, you talked, Brett, about the nature of insincerity being something that you look you look at when you've seen as being kind of a trigger for when you know this doesn't look too great. Um, and, and I felt like you did a great job talking to our audience today about the nature of what not to do, which is almost as important as what to do. In this situation, <laughs> yeah. it really is. But folks, yeah, it, is. it really is. You know, the nature of what Brett talked about today, always remember there's three things in any situation of selling relationship management, roadmap to revenue, and customer success. And, and Brett did a nice job summarizing for all of you kind of how this all fits together. And Brett, you know, what if you, if you only had 30 seconds with a seller? And I know that's not very much time, I do realize, but if you only had a few a minute with a seller, what would be the key thing you would want them to walk away with in this nature of personal selling values? I'd say the key thing you can do right now is research your reputation, your, your yeah. company, your product, and your personal reputation. Personal is tough, but get some feedback on what do people believe about you and your approach to selling. The better you understand that, the sooner you'll start to understand where you can be more successful, and where you get in your own way. Okay. Well, you've heard from a master of his craft, Brett Boston. Thank you so much for being with us today on Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO. My guest next week will be one of my fellow fellow hosts, Maureen Metcalf, who is a worldwide expert on innovation. And we're going to talk about innovation in sales next week, same time. And Brett, thank you again for being with us. They can get to you through Brett Boston or GroupSolutions.us, I believe. Is that right? That's correct, Phil. Thank you. And P.S. Bush at BellSouth.net. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, and we will see you down the road. Thank you for listening this week. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, can be heard live every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.